0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another week of DQ with Damani. It's been a great week in boxing. Alexander Usyk winning fighter of the year, David Benavidez finally getting matched up with Caleb Plant, Jojo Diaz losing, and all of the juicy UFC matchups we're getting. Without further ado, let's get right into the fight business. Alexander Usyk impressively overtakes Tyson Fury for the number one pound for pound spot this week. I've been watching Usyk since his cruiserweight campaign, now that I think about it, I've really been keeping tabs on him since he was an amateur racking up wins against the best the world has to offer. Similar to Lomachenko, Usyk walked through much of his opposition with footwork and pacing that gave his opponents trouble. Usyk represents true bossing its core, dedicating all of his time to not just his craft, but the people in his community. Alexander immediately dropped all of his preparation for Anthony Joshua when Russia came knocking on Ukraine's door to begin their hostile takeover jumping into action alongside fellow champions and predecessors Vitali and Vladimir Klitschko. This inspiring tale of heroism in wartime made Usyk an international favorite, boosting him to the forefront of the global boxing scene. There have been growing talks recently surrounding the biggest fight boxing has to offer in modern history, the undisputed unification between the WBC champion Tyson Fury and WBA, IBF, WBO, IBO champion Alexander Usyk. It seems like every week I mention a division being held up by a lack of unifications, and heavyweight is one such division. There are interim champions and regular champions scattered currently, such as Daniel Dubois. This storm has only been created by the lack of enforcement being applied by the sanctioning bodies in recent years, but thankfully, we receive word from Mauricio Suleiman that Deontay Wilder and Andy Ruiz have officially been ordered to fight for a shot at Tyson Fury's title. Hopefully after these fights finish up, will get to see Usyk unify for the second time in his career. Here comes the part everybody's been dreading. I know you guys didn't want to hear this one, but gotta cover him. He's a combat sports athlete. Although I have my own opinions of him, Jake Paul picked up a win against Anderson Silva this past Saturday. The fight went the distance, giving the younger Paul the opportunity to wear down Silva over time. This slow grind technique from Paul resulted in a knockdown in the eighth and final round, edging Paul out for the decision victory many were expecting to happen. Anderson Silva opened the fight with his notorious jab, opening Paul's guard multiple times. Silva's right hook was also a punch that found the target a multitude of times, stinging Jake when he would habitually drop his left hand. It was truly a back-and-forth match, but of course, father time was on Jake Paul's side in the ring. Getting off counters and shooting first was a specialty of Anderson Silva during his UFC career, and during both of his last two victories since he kickstarted kick-started his kickboxing career and boxing career, he employed these tactics with little struggle. Anderson Silva came into this fight a fresh 47 years old, and he clearly is not the same man he used to be when he was in his prime. His knockout of Forrest Griffin remains iconic, but the boxing ring is way different. In the boxing ring, the young man is favored. There are rare exceptions to this phenomenon, such as Archie Moore and Bernard Hopkins, but adjusting to strict boxing so late in his career may have cut Silva's chances too low to beat Jake Paul. Of course, we've got a lot more action in the lightweight division. This time, Jojo Diaz loses in his latest bout against William Zapata in a surprising turn of events. Jojo Diaz is one of those lightweights you watch because you really know there's going to be guaranteed action every time he delivers, pay-per-view or not, undercard. Mid-card, he's always going to deliver. His fights are never hit or miss 50-50 pick'ems, always guaranteed action in a Jojo Diaz fight. He's what many like to call a TV-friendly fighter, not usually someone who will cruise and ride rounds out for the specific purpose to win points. He is not a point fighter at all. Diaz held on to the WBC interim lightweight title from July 2021 to December of 2021, where he met a massive roadblock in the current undisputed lightweight champion of the world, in my personal favorite of all of the lightweights, Devin Haney. After losing in a championship fight for the full WBC championship, Zepeda was supposed to be JoJo's massive return, similar to the one Teofimo Lopez just had against Pedro Campa. This fight lived up to the expectations of a JoJo Diaz fight, but did not go in his favor. From the very first round, it was apparent that Diaz was having issues properly working his way inside. In-fighting is a specialty of Jojo Diaz, something that many fight fans appreciate. The difficulty truly begins when your greatest weapon is taken away from you. A feat Zapeda was able to pull off against Diaz this past Saturday evening. All of Diaz's potential forward pressure was removed because of how often Zapeda pushed down on the gas pedal. Zapeda fought behind an educated jab and an even more skillful cross that broke down Diaz several times throughout the third and sixth rounds. Zapeda was applying so much pressure that by the first half of the fourth round, Diaz had a black eye, while Zapata himself was unmarked. Diaz turned the tables at the tail end of the sixth round, rocking Zapata with an atomic right hook. Zapata went stumbling backwards, but he was able to recover, once again relying on his jab. Instead of keeping the same rhythm from earlier in the fight, Zapata switched things up by planting his jab to Diaz's body, which gave him the effective unanimous decision victory. Bivol and Zurdo Ramirez collided for a spectacular WBA light heavyweight contest. Zurdo put his undefeated 44-0 record on the line against the Kazakhstan native, but fell short of raising the WBA championship above its head. There was little left to be said for Bivol's performance. He shut out Zurdo in every way possible. The current narrative for Zurdo is that he's too small and too slow for the weight class, but it is questionable if there's solid reasoning for being pushed by Bivol throughout the match. Bevo truly tested Zerto across all 12 rounds, the momentum boxing that was used rocked Zerto to the court. The issue stemmed from Zerto's unique open guard. When moving laterally as a southpaw, Zerto keeps his right hand out in front of his lead leg as a probing punch and a pop shot. This strategy failed against Bevo because of his distance management and counter options. Every time Zerto threw a jab, Bevo had a counter cross or a counter hook to answer it immediately. Beyond just Zerto's guard issues, he also hesitated with his punches. Being first and last is something that Sean Porter talks about a lot, a fight plan his father and coach Kenny Porter uses. Being first to a punch affords the attacker multiple advantages. The most important and effective being setting up other punches behind it. Bevo did exactly this, being first to the punch on almost every exchange the two had. His initial jab-hook combo would set up five other punches, while Zerdo could only answer with one or two. In addition to Zerdo's inactivity, his punches lacked the power necessary to make Bevo respect him. The glancing shots that Zerdo threw in the middle and late rounds lacked the thump that they had in the first three. And even compared to Bevo's explosive punches, they looked minor. This left an obvious impression on the judges, leading to Zerdo losing the fight via unanimous decision. Dimitri Bivol now looks to unify all four belts in the light heavyweight division against Artur Beterbiev to become undisputed champion. But first, he must wait for Beterbiev to fight his mandatory Anthony Yard in order to get his shot. Next up, we've got some great news regarding David Morrell Jr. and the 168-pound division. Unfortunately, yesterday we learned that Eidos Yorbasanuli has been put into a medically-induced coma after his knockout loss to david after this loss he was rushed straight to the hospital with his trainer confirming this morning that idos was injured in their wba super middleweight championship fight i received word that idos is currently receiving brain surgery so let's all please pray for him and keep him in our hearts however aside from this sad news idos put on an amazing show against world champ david He even targeted David's body, through an impressive jab, and used clever footwork to keep himself out of David's range. And of course, against a solid fight plan, David had no choice but to continue to press forward and bring the action to him. In particular, it was David's cross, right hook, left shovel hook to the body that paid dividends. Each time Idols took a step back, David came leaping forward with another devastating right hook. It almost became too hard to watch, which is exactly how the narrative surrounding his corner came about. It is hard to believe that his corner didn't consider throwing in the towel, especially since his guard was looking weak. It's impossible to know for sure what happened in that corner, but letting Idos go out on his shield was a very dangerous decision. It is undoubtedly true that he kept throwing shots as best he could, but David Morell applied way too much pressure for him to handle. Staying ahead on points and dominating the fight was exactly how David proceeded, bring the spectacle to a close in the 12th round with a combo that put Eidos, your boss newly, down for good. Even though he celebrated with a little sportsmanship, a little flexing, he stayed true to himself. He helped him, showed a big heart, walking him over to his corner, but still, the WBA super middleweight world champion went the extra mile, just making sure that the physicians were doing their job he wanted to make sure that idols was okay which is a, what a lot of fight fans are thankful for we are thankful for David making sure that idols was okay even though things got a little out of hand in that fight I can't say that this was a master class of how to keep a forward pressure fighter away from their best tools idols all of all of his best strengths I've, I saw his training footage all of his best strengths were taken away by David Morrell Jr. And if, if you if you can't see that, then that's okay. I'm just going to have to say you're a casual boxing fan on that one because that man, he was getting washed. This fight is a solid reminder of how important it is to weigh out the responsibility you have as a fighter's corner man. At any point, you could throw in the towel and the fight while still saving your competitor's life. Sometimes it's better to lose with dignity than to go out on your shield and being too tough with too good of a chin, can lead to devastating effects on one's health. Of course, UFC 281 is this weekend, taking over the world's mecca of boxing and mixed martial arts, Madison Square Garden. Headlining the event is one of my favorite fighters, pound for pound, Israel Adesanya, the last style bender. A lot of people find his style boring, but those are usually casual fans who have no idea what real technique is supposed to look like while striking. Knockouts can be forced, but knockouts can also come on their own with proper shot selection and refined precision on every exchange. Adesanya is one such fighter, working behind a piston jab he can throw from just any position possible. He can throw it from southpaw, he can throw it from orthodox, he can throw it even from a square stance. Across from Adesanya is his long-awaited nemesis, Brazil's Poetan, Alex Pereira. He has been waiting for his third shot at Israel Adesanya for many years continuing his kickboxing career while Adesanya jumped ship to MMA, capturing the world's most relevant title in the UFC at the height of his fame. After having a star-studded career in China, Adasanya built himself from the ground up in a market where black fighters sometimes struggle to gain momentum. Adasanya used his uniqueness to his advantage, dressing up in anime outfits, performing dance routines before and after his fights, even dyeing his hair like I did when I was younger. Following up... Okay, yeah, that, that kind of disappointing that this fight isn't the co-main. Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, two of my favorite lightweights in the mix right now, duking it out for the number one contender spot. It's been clear that some time spent after the Conor McGregor era, after the Habib era, we have now entered another age of Dagestanis. Islam Makachev just defeated Charles Oliveira. Which means that we need an answer immediately as to whether or not michael chandler or dustin poirier can hang on to the top of the division there's a lot of monsters looking for that boat right now there are plenty you even got alex volkanovsky in the mix. route the fact that we have alex the great coming from featherweight to come up to 155 just for a chance at glory right now it just shows how special the 155 and 145 divisions are right now in the ufc there's a lot of talent And unlike boxing, Dana White is not afraid to get these fights done. The title finally changed hands, and now we've got Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier both coming off of those title shots. So now we will finally get to see if that MMA math works out. With Poirier's diamond chin and Chandler's explosive power punching, this lightweight matchup will bring some serious worldwide attention to the star-studded cast of the lightweights currently. Once again, we have reached the end of our weekly Fireside chance. Thank you so much for listening, and please enjoy this weekend of great matchups. Don't miss out. You will not be disappointed, and that's a guarantee. This is Damani Mater, host of DQ with Damani, wishing you a happy fight week. Stay safe. <laughs>